Hey, welcome to the Tom Toronto Show. I want to welcome today our special guest. It's Michael DeHovney. He's a board-certified real estate attorney with Volk Law Offices. Thanks for coming today, Michael. Oh, my pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me. There's probably hundreds of different topics that you and I could talk about, like we do regularly when we meet. But uh, today you said you wanted to talk a little bit about homestead exemption. There's some things going on in that field. Yes, uh, it's very timely, but you're right. Uh, hopefully this will be the first of several uh, topics that we cover. Yep. But today I wanted to talk about the homestead exemption, which in Florida is a very valuable right that people have. The, I'm talking about the tax exemption. Along with that is something called the Save Our Homes cap. And then okay. also what we're really going to be talking about is ways that people can lose that valuable right. Got it. Okay. And then, so looking at the date, so if somebody bought a house in 2018, when would they have to have filed the uh, homestead exemption? Is it March 1st? Everything, everything is based on, was it your homestead on January 1st of that year? Okay. So if somebody bought it, let's say January 2nd of 2018, then they have, to, they don't get homestead for that year. Right. They have to apply by March 1st of the following year to, to get the homestead for the following year. Okay, so if I buy a home in 2019, like February, March, or whatever, they have until March 1st of 2020, but the important thing is not to forget it, right? So if they forget to file by that date, they don't get it for this year. Unless you just like paying extra to the government. <laughs> okay. So uh, what it gives you is a discount on, okay. the, uh, on the assessed value of the property, which results in a smaller tax bill for your property tax. Okay. And over time, they've increased the exemption. And so the discount has gotten larger and it becomes a more valuable right. And probably even more important than that is what's called the Save Our Homes cap, which okay. under current law for homesteads, they can't increase the assessment by more than 3% per year. Okay. It can actually be less than that if the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, is less. Okay. But the maximum is 3% per year for homestead properties. And so in an appreciating market, you can see how that can build up over time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, whereas the real value is going up, up, and up, uh, the assessed value for tax purposes is, is being capped. And so that's a very valuable right, and you wouldn't want to lose that. So some people have been in their homes a long time, pay very little in taxes, while their neighbor who bought the house more recently could be paying, or it was an investment property, not homesteaded, could be paying a lot more in taxes. Exactly. For example, I've owned my home for 20 years, and that's 20 years of accumulated savings. Yeah. And... I was joking with my wife. I said, if we bought this exact same house again, our property taxes would triple because they yeah. do reassess it every time that there's a new, uh, a new owner. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it is important. Yeah. There's ways that you can lose that valuable okay. right, and I don't think people really understand. Uh, okay. what, the what, what would that be? If how could I lose it? Well, for example, if it ever stopped being your real homestead, your your homestead is the home you live in. It has to be your primary residence. And if you, let's say, let's say you, move, you move out of that house and you buy another homestead, well, you can't have more than one. So you would lose the homestead on that particular home. Okay. Or if you, if you moved out and then you rented the house out, then you're, now you're using it for commercial purpose. And okay. so, or, or I'm sorry, for a business purpose. Right. And since you're making money off of it instead of living there yourself, then you could lose the homestead exemption as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. Does the county have a way of, it's up to the individual to report it, or does the county have a way of, of recognizing that they're renting it out? It used to be that you had to renew it every single year. 
And now they just send you a little wallet size card. Yeah. And yes, you're supposed to report to the county if it turns out that you no longer qualify uh, okay. for it. But what? But people don't really realize um, certain things that can happen uh, that could cause them to lose it. And so one of the things that I'm seeing quite a bit of right now is where people have a home in another state. Right. Let's say they already owned it, or they, let's say they lived in Florida and then they bought a home in another state. Okay. And if somehow the county in that other state has gotten information, right or wrong, that that is the person's principal residence, they might get some little tiny credit in another state as okay. low as $30 a year. Wow. So insignificant that you probably don't even notice it. And if the property appraiser here in Florida finds out that you have it, then they, they lower the boom. <laughs> okay. What, what happens then? Well, they, first, the first thing is that they'll say you have to pay the tax that you would have paid as if, it, as if you had no homestead exemption. Retroactively. Retroactively. Oh, wow. For up okay. to 10 years. For up to 10 years. And then there is a 50% penalty on top of that. Okay. And then 15% per year interest. Wow. So, and the way that people find out about it is they get a letter from the property appraiser and it basically says you were receiving a credit somewhere else and therefore you're not entitled to your homestead. And it's retroactive to when you started receiving the credit at the other location. Okay. And then they give you an amount and the amount in the letter is already high enough, but that turns out to only be the amount of the tax. Okay. And then you have to contact the property appraiser's office. And then it's a terrible thing to find out that that probably was only about 40% of the total because it did not yet include the specific number for the, uh, the penalty yeah. and also for the accrued interest. Well, that's crazy. So is it because the world is more connected with computers that our county could check in with other counties and just cross-reference people and, and they're using the internet to find yeah, that out? That's exactly right, Tom. Okay. First, first of all, all of the property appraisers in Florida, they share information with each other. Okay. Every county has. And so it's not only that you can't have two homesteads in Florida, but no, anywhere in the entire country. Uh, in order to keep the Florida homestead exemption, that's correct. Okay. And then several counties in Florida ended up hiring an, an auditor who oh, okay. had the means of, be, of being able to uh, do a nationwide search and find... It's like a private company that they've hired to find... People. Yes, okay. who gets paid on a contingency fee, depending on how many of these uh, they catch. Wow. And I'm all for ferreting out fraud. Right. That, that part is fine. The, the part that concerns me is that there are people that ended up with exemptions in other states yeah. when they weren't supposed to have it. They, they never applied for it. Okay. Or it was a, just a, an error on the part of the county in the other state. Right. Right. For example, there's some forms that people will fill out when they buy a home in another state. And it'll, one of the questions will be, will this be your primary residence? And I know people who have checked off, no, it will not be. And then they gave them that credit anyway. And it might only be $30 a year, something like that, maybe $100 a year. Yeah. Something so minuscule that you don't even notice it on the tax bill. Yeah. And, and it goes on and on for years because they never noticed it. Right. And then, it, it, and then they get a letter from the 
let's say the Brevard County, Florida okay. property appraiser, and they say, oh, you've been receiving this for seven years or 10 years, and now you owe this enormous tax bill, and you don't have your homestead exemption, and uh, you've lost all of your Save Our Homes cap. That's They'll crazy. say you can apply again, you know, stop, uh, uh, terminate the process of you receiving the credit in, in the other state, state. Right. apply again, but they're going to they're going to reassess the, the property based on current value. Oh, and then and then you have to start your save our homes cap all over again. Well, I mean, what kind of numbers could it be? I, I know it varies for per house, but like roughly, do you have any experience of any of these astronomical numbers? I know one who had to pay sixteen thousand dollars. Sixteen thousand dollars. Yes. Wow. For and that was the one where I was mentioning the credit was only thirty dollars a year that they were receiving. Okay. Um, Another who I know uh, in the low 30,000s. Oh, wow. And then um, there's a number of cases that were challenged in Sarasota County. And that one, I really got sticker shock on that one because uh, that poor guy had to pay $81,000. In, in back taxes that he wasn't aware of. Well, that was the total bill of the back taxes, the uh, <clears throat> the penalty, yeah. and then the 15% the interest per year is what really kills you. Yeah. So, so I guess you've probably got two categories. You probably have the people who legitimately thought no one's going to know, and they've, they're, they, they're trying to get homestead in two states. And then you've got the people who would just, just completely, it was an error on the part of the county, or they made a mistake and didn't realize that that was equivalent to Correct. their homestead. And unfortunately, they're getting caught up in the same net. Right. And if you were to ask the property appraiser, what are you doing here when you're doing that? Oh, well, we're combating fraud. Okay. And they are. They're, they're combating fraud yeah. in certain situations. Right. But uh, unfortunately, the statute that they're working under doesn't mention intent. Right. And it only says if you applied for or received the credit. Okay. Okay. And that's where language comes into play. It doesn't say applied for and received it. It says applied for or received it. Interesting. Yeah. But there might be some hope, Tom. Just a few days ago, okay. there was a brand new United States Supreme Court case, uh, Tim's versus Indiana. Mm -hmm. And it was unanimous decision. And there, the Supreme Court said that the, the Eighth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which everyone's familiar, you, you know, cruel and unusual punishment. That's what everyone thinks about with that one. But it also says that you cannot, the government cannot impose excessive fines. Okay. And so it was in the context of a forfeiture proceeding. Plaintiff there was convicted of a drug offense. And so they seized his, his vehicle. Mm -hmm. And the vehicle was worth much more than what the maximum, uh, the maximum oh, yeah. uh, okay. fine would be. And so he challenged that, took it all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they agreed with him. Yeah. And so... Uh, the, the thing that sets the precedent in that case is that they said this applies to the states, not just to the federal government. Okay. And to the states and to the local governments as well. And it's interesting. The language in there is very interesting because they recognize that it's hard to convince people in a state or a community to increase their own taxes for governmental purposes. Yeah. And so instead, they look for ways that these agencies can fund themselves. Yeah. So there's an incentive to just to just fine people and to have the fines be very excessive. Yeah. And hopefully this will end up reining this in. We'll see if this applies ends up applying in this context. But like I said, the case is so brand new. It was it was two days ago, I believe. And we'll see if that ends up 
ends up making a difference. I think it will have an impact. Very interesting. So they still are going to be hunting the people who intentionally are defrauding, but at the same time, people that it was just a mistake or an error on the part of another county also. It would really be nice if the Florida state legislature amended that statute and put an intent element in there. Right. In other words, if, if the property appraiser can prove that you intentionally were trying to have a homestead exemption in two different states, right. then they can, uh, you know, they can charge you all of this. And this isn't to say that a government can't punish you right. in addition to being compensated. But we think it's excessive because when in, in the Tim's case, the maximum fine for his particular violation was $10,000, and they seized a $40,000 vehicle. Right. And, and the court said that was out of proportion. Right. Well, look at the numbers that we're dealing with in these homestead revocation cases. You could have someone that over a 10-year period may have only received a benefit totaling $1,000 right. or maybe, maybe even just a few hundred dollars. Yeah. And they're having to pay sixteen. Thirty or even eighty-one thousand yeah. dollars, depending on on the value of the property, right. and so it's way out of proportion. And yeah. so it would be an excellent test case, I think, yeah. uh, to to apply that new case. So, Michael, you say that if you rent your house out, then you could lose the homestead exemption. What if you just rented out like a, a small portion of like a room in your house? Would that disqualify you for homestead? You wouldn't necessarily lose the homestead for that. And there is a statute that allows you to rent for a certain amount of time, uh, okay. also, but. The key is, are you, have you rented out a substantial portion of the, of the property? Okay. And there's a, kind of a funny case, but it's a, real, it's a real reported appellate case where someone rented out the entire house except for two closets. And he wanted, and he wanted to say that he's still entitled to the homestead exemption because uh, he still had those two closets that were not for the tenant but for himself. Did he lose the case? Oh, yeah. He lost big time. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he tried the loophole, right? But it didn't work. Well, most of these people aren't aware of the law anyway, and then they kind of scramble to see, uh, can, they say, can they salvage it? Does the county look for, like, my house is on Airbnb? Do they, do they actually have that or, it, it, like, referencing that or see that it's on the MLS for a rental and make a note that, that it might be, I might be no longer... In, uh, able to file for homestead? They run across information like that sometimes. And they may actively look for these th things because they're always trying to generate revenue. And yes, if they find out that it's leased out, and now we're in the age of Airbnb. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. It's your, um, how many years have you been an attorney? I've been practicing since 1991. So okay. that makes it about 27 and a half years right now. Yeah. And I'm also board certified in real estate law. Okay. And, and what does that mean? That's, some, that's a special designation for a, a group of attorneys. Yes, it's, it's completely voluntary and it's a special course of study. It's a rigorous exam, peer review, and you're verifying that you devote a certain amount of your practice uh, to that particular area. So my area is real estate. Okay. And we have another attorney on our firm, and he's board certified in construction law. Okay. And so, so when someone is looking for an attorney, if they see that term and they see board certified, then that means that they've gone through that entire process. Interesting. Okay. And, and my entire career has been here in Brevard County. Excellent. And so how would someone get a hold of you if they wanted to uh, talk with you more or maybe have a consultation? Our phone number is 321-726-8338. Okay. And uh, our offices are located in the One Harbor Place building in downtown Melbourne. 
Well, thank you so much for coming out today, Michael. And like I said, I look forward to having you on uh, future episodes of the Tom Toronto Show. But I really appreciate you taking the time to come out. Oh, you're very welcome. I look forward to it as well. All right, thanks. Thank you.